Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. I entitled my message, The Hour of Prayer. If you need notes, just kind of raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Copy the notes. Anyone at all? Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word together. We do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, and thank you for ears that hear it, hearts to receive it, and minds to be open to it. And more than anything, Father, change us by it. From glory to glory, transform our lives. And we'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, this is 21 days of fasting and prayer. And it's between you and God as to how you're going to do that. And so we thank God for your participation. And we're just believing God together for different directives. Matter of fact, we have a paper out there, a little sheet out there with some directives for the local body praying together. And also for an individual to pray for himself or herself. Not that you need to do all these things, but... Just look at some of these things and say, that appeals to me. That's something I, I really need to take to heart and do as far as my own life is concerned. But I want us to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. This is just t- entitled, The Hour of Prayer. And let's look at verses 36 through 46. And it says, Then comes Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took him with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Wow. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away again. And prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. It's hard to imagine Jesus agonizing in anything do you think about it i mean he's the son of god he's the god man 100 percent god 100 percent man divinity and humanity merged together in this hypostatic union but yet we see him very vulnerable as he goes to this place of prayer and what's his desire what's his request in prayer father if there's any way it's possible to do this another way let this cup pass from me the cup 
of God's wrath and the cup of God's judgment. He said, man, if it's possible. But then he concludes by saying, well, not my will be done. Your will be done. Then he finds his disciples and he asks them, couldn't you stay awake long enough for one hour to watch and pray? Think about it. He's asking for their help. And, of course, he turns and walks away for the third time, three times. And what does he do? He really agonizes in prayer. Now, I believe he addressed Peter because you notice he singled out Peter and said, Peter, why? Because he was vocal about his support. Look in the verses 33 through 35, and we see his support supposedly for Jesus. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples, If I have to die with you, I'll die with you. Well, they couldn't even stay awake for one hour to support him and help him. Watch. Why? Because he was always in a dangerous situation. But pray also because he needed support in prayer. You might think, wait, isn't he the son of God? Why would he need support in prayer? Well, notice some things I have really listed here. Jesus needed help and requested help in prayer. As a matter of fact, because they fell asleep and basically couldn't help him, God sent an angel. You look at Luke's rendition of this. He sent an angel to strengthen him. Now, wait a minute. How does divinity and deity need strengthened? Why would divinity and deity need strengthened? You see, we, we've never probably saw the depth of this, but we're talking about the humanity of Jesus. Remember, the God-man, Jesus' humanity, Christ's deity, in his humanity... He's facing the most horrific thing anyone could even fathom. Not crucifixion. Many faced crucifixion. And they weren't in agonizing prayer over it. Probably many of them didn't even know how to pray. But Jesus, he knew what he was going to experience. The wrath of God, the judgment of God would fall upon him. And so what does he do? He asked for them to help him in his time of temptation. Remember, the Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, correct? Okay, so he's about to be tempted. And what's the temptation? Man, I don't really want to go through this. I know what it's going to take. And if there's any possible way, Father, let this cup pass from me. But man, not my will, yours. But I need some help along the way. So we can only begin to imagine the depth of the suffering that he was going to experience when he became sin for us. And again, it goes beyond our comprehension. He tells his disciples, you need to pray, right? You need to watch and pray, lest you too fall into temptation. So once again, here they are, declaring that they would never leave him, declaring that they would die with him, and yet they can't even stay awake for an hour to pray for him and with him. And then also, what were they told? Lest you too fall into temptation. How important is it that we meet like this and pray? Why? So that we don't get overwhelmed and overcome by the temptation that the enemy brings our way. The only remedy is prayer, he said. 
Uh, look at the next point. Corporate prayer is effective or Jesus wouldn't have requested it or asked for it. And it's important we understand that. Remember, God has called us to come together and gather together and pray with one another so we can accomplish the purposes of God in the earth. And that's why we're doing this on a Wednesday night. This beginning of the, this month of January, we're set ourselves apart to pray together collectively and corporately, including fasting, so that we can set the stage for the will of God to be accomplished and achieved among us throughout the rest of the year. Jesus did that in his beginning of his ministry for 40 days and 40 nights. He prayed and fasted to set the stage for his ministry and his life. And then also, not praying can make a person vulnerable to temptation. We saw that. They were very vulnerable to temptation. And they basically gave in. Peter denied the Lord three times. If he would have prayed and stayed awake and prayed, do you think maybe it wouldn't have happened? I don't know. But we know this. Jesus told him to pray, to watch and pray. Why? Because no matter who you are, you could be vulnerable. Another thing we see is this, that the flesh is weak, Jesus said, but the spirit is willing. Now, I understand how we can look at that for ourselves and say, yes, the flesh is weak, my spirit is willing. But did you ever consider that maybe Jesus was talking about himself too? I mean, he's, he is on the ground. He is sweating as if it were blood. And if you do this study, you can take this into the psychological, emotional realm. And they say, when you are that agonizing, that it possibly caused these pores to really give off blood. Talk about agonizing. So he understood there was a flesh part to him, the humanity side, as well as the divinity side. And he knows he's about to experience the weight of the world's sin upon his being and all that that entails. So in his humanity... He's now requesting, man, come on, help me. God sends the angel to strengthen him to go through this. Man, where does that leave us? We face temptation every day in this world, do we not? All the more reason we should be committed to a time of prayer. And what did he ask of them? We could say the hour of prayer. They had an hour of prayer, but really he was gone for one hour. Then he went back and he prayed some more. But the point was, spend some time on your knees and on your face before the throne of God. So why? You can have connection with heaven, unleash the miracle power of God into your life, or as a church or whoever, and even in a nation. Now James and John, they were no better. They did the same thing. They all fled. They all ran when they had a first opportunity to prove that we'll stand by your side even though we die, but they didn't do that. But then, for us, there's a, we know that there's 168 hours every week. Right? 7 times 24, 168 hours. How many just don't want to devote one hour to prayer? One of 168. Because sometimes if you say, we're having a prayer meeting, well, that's not exciting enough. But you know what? Nothing could be more important as far as all of our lives are concerned. You believe that? I know it's a fact. In our closing text, look at 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3. I've got two translations, the message and also the passion translation. Look at what they say. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how. Pray for everyone you know. 
pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well so we can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior, God, wants us to live. And then the Passion Translation says it this way. Most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men with all forms of prayers and requests, and you intercede with intense passion. And pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. And then, of course, we're to pray for not just our government, not just ourselves, our churches, families, and the list goes on and on. Different things. We should pray for the nation of Israel. God wants us to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. He wants us not to invite him in what we're doing, but he wants us to step into what he's doing so his purposes can be accomplished in and through our lives. Can you say amen to that? It's his program, not ours, right? And then finally, in James 5 and verse 16 from the Amplified Bible, this is something that we have to believe. All of us have to believe this. Confess your faults one to another. Therefore, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working. You notice the first part of that is almost like Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from wicked ways, then I would hear. So in other words, what are you saying this? Man, we all have shortcomings and faults. We understand that. We know that we're not perfect. Is anybody here perfect? Only Jesus was perfect and we know that. So Lord, you know, I'm just, I confess before you, man, I've missed it along the way and I, I appreciate your forgiveness and mercy and love and kindness. And I want to treat others the same way to show love, mercy, and forgiveness, etc., etc. Why? I want to connect with you so the tremendous power, tremendous power, dynamic in its working, would manifest among us. Why? We want to see people saved. We want to see people healed. We want to see people delivered and set free. We want to see nations turned around for God. Don't you want to see that? We want to see abortion abolished. We want to see prayer back in school. I mean, we could go there and really go down that path for a while there and think, you talk about you take the prayer out of school, you take the word out of school, you take God out of school, and you got yourself a mess. Isn't that the truth? So you know what? We're going to do that tonight. We're going to gather together. If you don't mind, I guess you can sit where you want, but if you like, gather around this altar. We are going to pray tonight. And as you're coming, let me just say this. The most effective way that we can pray for things is in the Holy Ghost. You realize that? I remember Brother Hagin saying that he does 99% of his praying in the Holy Ghost with other tongues. Why? It's pure. It's powerful. Also, it's the will of God that's being prayed out. Because the Holy Ghost helps us by taking hold together with us and helping us pray out the perfect will of God. Amen?